Time for this week in quotes. Joining us, the editor of Korea Chungang Daily, Jim Bully. Good morning to you. Good morning. All right, uh, we got some interesting uh, quotes here today. Uh, first, we're going to start with uh, what uh, we have to always be mindful of: that there is a, a, a huge so-called army out there, and if you say something that might diverge from a narrative, uh, you can be uh, met with some scorn online. But uh, the president addressing the uh, the big accomplishment by uh, BTS. Yeah, so this is President Moon Jae-in. He says, It's more meaningful, as I understand Dynamite is a song that was made with a message of consolation and hope for people around the world that feel exhausted from the pandemic. So this is, of course, the news that BTS's latest single, Dynamite, also their first English-language single, um, debuted at number one on Billboard's Hot 100 Singles chart, the first ever South Korean artist to do so. Yeah, and so it's unprecedented, it's historical, and uh, obviously uh, BTS and their uh, very, very numerous fans are certainly cheered by that. It's not the first time that um, uh, much praise has been heaped upon uh, BTS by any means. Uh, But uh, in light of the fact that they are such a global cultural phenomenon, and um, they have been, um, I think, in certain quarters, uh, also acclaimed for their their artistic merit as well, but they have not necessarily been uh, recognized by what some people consider to be the highest body of recognition, which would be the Grammys. Um, some speculation that this year uh, that might change, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that BTS uh, reaching number one on the Hot 100 is, is a good signal because whilst they've regularly had albums that charted and the the albums chart is just based on album sales, the Hot 100 chart takes into a much wider um, account. So, you know, you need to have really hit the mainstream. It's how many times you've been played on the radio, watched on YouTube, album sales. It's kind of all of them combined together, which, of course, is also what bigger awards bodies um, like the Grammys, who it's sort of become a running joke, I guess, are among among cable reporters that, that BTS never get a look in at, at the Grammys, never been nominated even, despite from where we're sitting in Korea, yeah. appearing like, you know, the biggest uh, musical act in the world. But perhaps the Hot 100 is a, is a symbol that, you know, from wherever you're sitting, they appear to have hit the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, if you just go by social media engagement, um, there, <laughs> it's just not even a competition as yeah, far as no. BTS's popularity. However, as you say, there are so many different uh, metrics involved with this. And we've seen other award shows, whether it's like the MTV award shows and some of these other events where BTS certainly has made a splash. But this is because... Uh, I mean, rightly or wrongly, the Grammys is considered to be more of a, a stodgy, very kind of yeah. conservative affair where they, they do still have this very, uh, I guess, um, some will consider to be old-fashioned way of how to assess a uh, musical performance and artistic achievement. Uh, this could be the year, and I, and I guess we would see the same hype and hoopla that we saw last year with the Academy Awards and Parasite winning, if this happens. I mean, even a nomination would be enough. And I think also when it comes to the Grammys this year, we can also be watching Blackpink pretty closely (laughs) because as well as being sort of the the female BTS in terms of reach, they actually perhaps have more international appeal in some areas. You know, on on, Mm. uh, YouTube, Blackpink are the third biggest musical act in the world. They headline... Or, you know, yeah, they headline like festivals all over the world and stuff. They seem to have more of a sort of mainstream pop hip hop vibe. So, you know, I think either of those acts could have a look in this year. All right. Very interesting. Uh, Let's turn to our second quote here, uh, Jim. uh, This one comes from Japan. Yes, yeah, so this is a story that's gone viral in the last few days. The quote is, did you understand the Japanese answer? What do you mean by scientific? This is Japanese Minister for Foreign Affairs, Toshimitsu Motegi, who uh, during a 
press conference, he has been criticized for his uh, conduct toward a foreign reporter who asked him a question um, in fluent, perfect Japanese and who, presumably because he didn't want to answer the question, decided to take advantage of the fact that she was very clearly not Japanese and sort of make fun of her Japanese, ask if she wanted him to speak in English and stuff to sort of deflect from dealing with the question that she'd asked. Um, this has obviously gone viral in Japan um, because this particular minister has a track record of uh, making fun of of foreign reporters and people's um, Japanese abilities. It is something that uh, I think is a common phenomenon that uh, we've seen. And I, I don't want to just attribute it to Japan or even just, uh, let's say, for example, South Korea as well, where the uh, English language press is considered more of a curiosity than, than uh, anything else as, as far as uh, how they have uh, access to some of these high-ranking officials. But using language as sort of the, the shield is, is a bit of a trope when dealing with officials and, and kind of trying to get away with uh, perhaps answering something that they may not necessarily be uh, 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 comfortable with. Yeah, especially conservative politicians who may have a fairly hard-hitting, uh, patriotic, nationalist kind of kind of base, right? We also see it in America. Yeah. Donald Trump yeah. will take any opportunity to highlight an Asian-looking American reporter. We've seen yeah. that time and time again, especially during, during coronavirus stuff. So it's, not, it's certainly not a unique um, Japanese problem, but it's, uh, it's been in the, in the news this week, um, especially because this particular reporter is not Japanese. It's not like she's a not like a you know a, a Chinese American reporter who Trump often picks on. She's not Japanese, but she speaks fluent, perfect um, Japanese, and did so in the interview. And even though, and also she's not from an English speaking country. She's she's Polish. So even though um, the minister was like, "Do you want me to speak that to say that in English?" and she replied in Japanese, "No, Japanese is fine. English isn't even you know her her first language anyway." Yeah. So. <laughs> You mentioned um, Trump, and I think it's referring to uh, Wei Jiajiang, the uh, CBS reporter who uh, is at the White House briefings and uh, whenever Trump speaks. And then he'll refer to the China virus and he'll talk to her and he even tells her, like, why don't you go tell uh, your, your guys in China to change the, um, the policy there where, you know, she is a, a U.S. citizen and she has just as much right to answer, ask a question without being called out on her race and having that be somewhat uh, colored by um, the, the uh, actual question or the uh, tangible sort of merits of uh, what they're trying to address at that moment, which is a good segue then for our next um, quote here, because it does deal with how the Trump administration uh, deals with the press, particularly their uh, controversial spokespeople. But this one is controversial somewhat in a uh, different way, and it kind of veers on the issues of uh, sexism and gender equality as well. What, what, what's this quote? So this is a bizarre quote, and it comes from uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders' new book, um, speaking for myself. And before I give the quote, I yeah. want to mention, because I think it's quite interesting context, we've had a lot of different books over the last few months, um, tell-all books from inside the Trump administration. This book, despite the context of the quote I'm about to give, is supposed to be... Sympathetic, right? Yeah, a positive, very pro-Trump book. And yet, the quote is, Kim winked at you. Are you telling me Kim Jong-un hit on you? Um, this is... This is a very strange story where um, Tara Huckabee Sanders says that during um, meetings in Singapore between um, Trump and Kim Jong-un, Kim made direct eye contact, nodded and appeared to wink at me, she says. And then um, Trump, her, her boss, 
Um, when she told him afterwards, he said, well, Sarah, that settles it. You're going to North Korea and taking one for the team. Your husband and kids will miss you, but you'll be a hero to your country. So there are a lot of layers to this. And yeah. as you say, uh, Sanders is um, certainly considered to be a pro-Trump figure. And this book is des- uh, definitely going to be a, of a different vein than, let's say, Mary Trump's book, which assess the uh, psychological aspects of Trump and the family and, and sort of all the uh, sordid uh, goings-ons there. But um, I will tell you that critics of the Trump administration and critics of uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders will say, first, you got to take it with a grain of salt, uh, all of the anecdotes that she's relaying, because she had been deemed to be perhaps not the most forthright truth truthful spokesperson when she was conducting herself uh, during those White House briefings to the extent there were any because uh, the Trump uh, administration has been largely closed off uh, compared to previous administrations. So there's that aspect of it as well. Mary Trump would have a field day with some of the quotes in this this book. That's so true. I'll (laughs) give you one more. Yeah. um, Slightly less uh, uh, bizarre and and sexist. No, equally bizarre, just less sexist. Um, I'm just going to read the whole quote. Kim... So this is describing a time when 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 Trump offered Kim Jong Un a Tic Tac breath mint. Mm. Kim, confused and probably concerned it was an attempt to poison him, wasn't sure how to respond. Saunders wrote, "The president dramatically blew into the air to reassure Kim it was just a breath mint, and took a few from the box and popped them into his mouth. Kim reluctantly accepted the Tic Tac from President Trump and ate it." And that is really an indictment on, uh, in my opinion, um, his aides and and, uh, prepping him for these summits. Because as we know, uh, with the uh, disaster that occurred in Hanoi, it's it's quite obvious that uh, Trump is just winging it. But as we know, with these high-level sensitive uh, diplomatic encounters, and lay people like yourself and I, we would know that North Korea is, um, at the very least, uh, a, a very careful uh, almost and you could say uh, to the extent paranoid regime where the leadership would deem anything like that to be some kind of threat to the personal safety yeah, of somebody yeah. they would not necessarily uh, even it would be deemed a non-starter to even try to offer anything <laughs> to be consumed by the North Korean leader I think it also says a lot that in a, a positive tell-all book trying to 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 be sympathetic to the the, the Trump re-election bid, really, the the best story that they can offer us, a secret story from inside the summit, is an exchange of mints yeah. that is was in, is in some way trying to be portrayed as like a clever ploy to unnerve Kim Jong-un, but almost definitely was just an exchange of mint. <laughs> yeah, that 4D chess uh, that uh, often is kind of tossed around as a theory to uh, Trump's uh, political acumen often just is, as you say, just just him just flying off the cuff and, and, and just winging it. So, well, that's the state that we're in right now. And uh, we'll see how the uh, November 3rd elections and the American voters uh, feel about all of this, including, I guess, taking in, into account um, uh, Ms. Sanders' uh, sort of re- recollection of all of these events Jim, we're going to leave it there. As always, thank you very much and uh, talk to you again next week. Thank you.